So we're studying Romans chapter 4, as you well know. And as I've been pouring through this over and over and considering Abraham and his life and what God is teaching us in his word, one of the things that I find to be very, very important is that whenever God is teaching us about and through a person, he wants us to see beyond that person. So where he uses Abraham as an illustration, Abraham is not the main illustration, but seeing what God is teaching us through the example of Abraham about himself, about God himself. And so this morning, as we navigate through Romans chapter 4, again, we want to see it under the idea that God's blessing is dependent upon God's character. That God's blessing is dependent upon God's character. I know you like to sing, and I know that you like to listen to music, and so I've been thinking through lots of songs lately. Um, One song, a very simple song, it's not uh, theologically deep, but simple. Uh, It's called Good, Good Father. It's probably now starting to roll through your mind. There's uh, an element of it that is very repetitive, It's as close as I can come to dealing with a 7-Eleven song. Um, It describes an element of God's character. We're in the chorus. He speaks about God being a good, good father. And then he responds to it saying, it's who you are. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And then he responds even further and he says, I'm loved by you. And that's who I am. That's who I am. I am characterized by God's love for me. God is characterized as a good, good father. It's really a a good meditation. We consider God's character. There's another song, I believe it was penned by Andrew Peterson. Uh, It's entitled, Is He Worthy? And it really is a, a great song. I wanted to share a few of the lyrics with you from that song. It starts with, The questions, do you feel the world is broken in the refrain or the response is we do? Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. And and it goes through this. It's very... It's very reflective and and worthwhile. The chorus, which I'll share the second and final chorus with you, it's building up. The the last bridge, I think it might be called, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root. And the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with his Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? And as if 
the respondents can't help it. They just keep saying, He is. He is. Is He worthy? Is He worthy? He is. God's character on display. God is worthy. As I read through Romans chapter 4, I think another song should be or could be written that asks a question, is he trustworthy? Is he trustworthy? And my friend, the answer would be the same. He is. He is. And Abraham found in the course of his life through ups and downs, difficulties, times when he failed in his faith and disobeyed in his actions. He found God to be trustworthy. And I believe, I'm quite certain, that this is one of the points that God is trying to teach us in Romans chapter 4, is that God is trustworthy. He is worthy of our faith and admiration. He is worthy of our faith. No matter what the circumstances look like, God is worthy of our trust, for his blessing is not dependent upon us, our circumstances, or our actions. God's blessings are dependent upon his character. Now, numerous of my friends have been dealing with life debilitating physical challenges. A number of you are watching, and most of you know my friends. These are very difficult circumstances to navigate through, but one thing is certain. God's blessing is still upon these, my friends. His greatest blessings relate to the relationship that he has welcomed us into. And that relationship has eternal benefits. While life circumstances may seem to be indicating that the blessing of the Lord has vanished from a person's life, God's word makes it clear that God's blessing remains and the best is yet to come. So as we review from last week, we considered last week the type of people that God blesses. And we followed the Bible's record concerning Abraham. As we did so, we noted that he was faithful and obedient, but he was not chosen because he was from the right location. He was not chosen because he was intrinsically righteous or because he was worshiping and fearing the God of creation. Instead, God chose him in spite of the fact that he worshiped other gods. Abraham, while he obeyed in some instances, he disobeyed in others. And while he trusted God in some areas, He didn't trust God in all areas. His story is filled with ups and downs. Yet, while there are plenty of areas we could critique about Abraham, he did ultimately believe that God would fulfill his promises. 
And this is what makes Abraham an excellent example. Not that he was perfect, but in fact he was imperfect like we are. Not that he came from a standpoint of seeking after God, but that God sought him like we. Like we we did not seek after God. No one seeks after God. No one can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. What we must recognize, what must stand out to us in this chapter, more than Abraham, is the one in whom Abraham trusted. And so as we look through this passage, we want to notice a few different things. And I'm going to have to navigate back and forth um, between paying attention to the camera and looking over here and looking at my Bible. So bear with me. Uh, First of all, we want to notice that God's blessing is a gift God's blessing is a gift. Take a look, please, down at verses 3 and following. Romans chapter 3 and following. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Really, we see the concept of gift here. God's blessing is a gift. You could call it grace. It's going to circle back to that toward the end of this passage when we get down in verse 16, that God's blessing rests upon grace. We'll get there in just a few minutes. The next concept that we want to notice is that God's blessing is not through ceremony. God's blessing is not through ceremony. We'll see that in verses 9 through 12, and we'll take a few moments to to read through that. Look what it says there in verse 9. Is this blessing, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the gift, or excuse me, the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. All right, so we look at these verses, 9 through 12, and the main idea is that God's blessing doesn't come through ceremonial rite, circumcision, ceremonial practices, but it comes instead through faith. He makes this very clear. In verse 9, God's blessing is for both the circumcised and the uncircumcised. In verse 10, Abraham was declared righteous approximately 14 years before he was circumcised. Verse 11, that circumcision was received. That sounds like a grace gift, doesn't it? It was received as a sign, a distinguishing mark. A sign of what? The seal. A seal of what? An authentication is what the word seal means. An authentication of the righteousness that he had by faith. Look at verse 11 again. Uh, The purpose 
sorry, verse, verse 11 at the beginning. He received the sign of righteousness as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. In other words, the righteousness he received through faith was authenticated by a sign, a physical marking, and a, a seal, an authentication of that faith. This was to indicate that he was declared righteous through faith. And the sign of having been declared righteous was given while he was uncircumcised in order to enable him to be the father, not just of Jewish descent, not just of the Jews, not just of the Israelites, not just of his physical descendants, but he would be the father of all believers of all time. He is the physical father of the Israelites to whom God made promises. He is also the spiritual father of all who believe. Notice how Paul sets up verse 12. Not only is Abraham the father of the uncircumcised who come to God through faith, believing the promises, he is also the father of the circumcised who are not only circumcised, but also who walk in faith. So it's not just the physical descendants, it's the physical descendants who walk by faith. So it's the the uncircumcised Gentile who, who lives by faith, and it's the circumcised Jewish person who walks by faith, that he is the father of, verse 12, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So the very clear meaning of verses 9 through 12 is that God's blessing of justification and God's blessing of being a child of Abraham, a son of Abraham, and an heir of the promises comes through faith not by ceremonial right. God's blessing is a gift, not something achieved through religious ceremony, not achieved now through the obedience of the law. That's what we notice next in our passage in verses 13 through 15. God's blessing is not through obedience to the law. Look at verses 13 through 15 with me. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the uh, adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. We talked last week about the promise that God made to Abraham and his descendants about being the heir of the world, or if you want to talk about all of them, the heirs of the world. And this inheritance that Abraham and his descendants through faith would receive is through the reward that was won by another. It was not a reward earned by Abraham and not a reward earned by his descendants save one. It is a reward earned by Jesus Christ who came after the seed of Abraham according to Hebrews chapter 1 or chapter 2. can't remember now. Let's see. Chapter 2. Thank you. Uh, And through that reward that Jesus won on behalf of Abraham and unto the uttermost parts of the earth for all that come to God through faith, God has made us sons sons of God, and as a result, joint heirs with Christ. 
Jesus, our Savior, was promised the ends of the earth and all things. And as a result of that, all of the sons of God who come to God through faith are heirs of that same promise. We've become joint heirs with Christ. We did not achieve this privileged position through our obedience to the law, but through the righteousness of faith, it tells us in verse 13. Righteousness that has its source in faith, not faith in just anything, but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It's who he is. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the God of all glory. He's the second person of the Trinity. He is eternal. He is co-equal. He is the creator of everything. He is the sustainer of everything. He is the radiance of the image of God. He is the very glory of God made manifest on this earth. And he is the one who won our salvation. It was through him that all people can come to the Father in faith, have their sins forgiven, and have Jesus' righteousness added. Who Jesus is and what he did leaving the glory of heaven, taking upon him the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, humbling himself, not to just any point, but to the point of death, even the death of the cross, laying his life down as a once-for-all sin sacrifice for us to bear, to bear the righteous wrath of God against our sin, to remove forever our sin, to forgive us eternally and to grant us his righteousness that he obtained, that he earned as he lived. The righteous record that he maintained is granted to those who turn from their sin and turn to Jesus Christ. Faith, righteousness of faith, a righteousness that is declared through faith in Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, and what he won. In verse 14, Paul says this, For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. If the promise of becoming an heir were through the law, then the promise is not a promise, but a payment. That's what he told us already back in verses 4 and 5. If you have fulfilled all of the course of the law and you're waiting for your reward you're you're not you're not waiting for a gift you're waiting for your wages instead verse 15 lets us know for the law brings wrath but where there is no law there is no transgression instead what we realize is that living based upon the law brings wrath why is that for we cannot keep the law in its entirety flawlessly without interruption. Instead, the law brings condemnation when we falter. We've talked about this many, many times. The law is never satisfied with us. The law only demands. It doesn't ever say, attaboy, you're all set. It wasn't until the Lord Jesus uttered the words, it is finished. And he gave up Uh, He entrusted to the Lord, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up his spirit to the Lord. Finally, the law was satisfied because there was never a violation on the Lord Jesus' part. 
when we get into conversations about the law, it is a heavy weight pressing down. The law is good, right? The law is good because it points out our sin. The law also points out some of the elements of God's character. The law is good, not bad. We don't say the law is something we don't want. The law points out our sin. It's a schoolmaster, a teacher, to bring us to God, to bring us to Christ, to recognize, I can't keep all of these things. I, I can't flawlessly obey. I, I'll let the, the wage that I'll win, if I'm seeking to gain a wage from the law, is a wage of wrath. It brings condemnation. But where the law comes, guess what happens? Transgression increases. Sin increases. We'll get more into that in our study of Romans when we get to chapter 7. God's blessing is a gift. God's blessing is a gift, not something achieved through righteous or religious ceremony or through obedience to the law. It is not also, it's not through human effort. Now I want to give you three points in a row here that will help us navigate from verses 16 to 22. They're not difficult for our minds. God's blessing is not through human effort. God's blessing is through faith. And God's blessing is according to grace. Very simple. I'll repeat them and leave them on the screen for just a moment. God's blessing is not through human effort. God's blessing is through faith. God's blessing is according to grace. This is from verses 16 through 22 that we are noticing. And listen to what he says in verses 16 to 22. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. The context contrasts human effort with God's grace and, and faith in God. We don't need to spend a lot of time proving that point. I think that's been clear from the context of Romans and in the context of all of our studies. In a moment, we'll look through verses 17 through 22 to bullet point elements of the nature of the faith that's required to access the blessing. But as we enter into this section, we want to, to recognize in verse 16, for this reason, by faith. Our version says that is why it depends on faith. But a literal reading of the beginning of verse 15, it says, for this reason, 
by faith. Those are the only words that, that capture that is why it depends on faith. For this reason, by faith. Uh, why does he, why is he constructing it that way? He's, he's contrasting clearly. It is not about your strict adherence to the law that you obtain God's blessing. It's coming to God through faith. It is dependent upon faith. And then it rests on the law. Excuse me. Strike that. <laughs> Reverse it. It rests on grace. Listen to what uh, he says. This is, this is the, the Greek rendition of the next phrase where, where he says in verse 16, uh, that the promise may rest on grace, or in order that the promise may rest on grace. It, it's this Greek construction. Hina, kata, karin. Hina, kata, karin. Very simple construction. Just says, in order that, according to grace. He's making a very little use of, usage of extra words. It's for this reason, by faith, that the promise in order according to grace. <laughs> He's letting us know that it's faith and grace that access for us God's blessing and God's promise. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all its, uh, his, excuse me, offspring. The New American Standard has the phrase in accordance with grace. The ESV uh, has may rest on grace. In other words, God's blessing and his promise come as a means of his, God's unmerited favor. It is not earned. It is not deserved. It is dependent upon God's character. God's blessing is dependent upon God's character. We see this throughout Scripture. You'll remember in Genesis chapter 6, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You'll remember this passage from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is before Jeremiah was ever born. Before Jeremiah was ever born, God had a plan for him. This is God's unmerited favor. Paul is a byproduct of this very grace. We're in Romans. Take a right, please. Go through First and Second Corinthians and find yourself in the book of Galatians. Of course, most of you just tapped on a screen. There was a drop-down menu when you clicked on Galatians. Uh, we're in Galatians chapter 1, please. We want to see one of many of Paul's testimonies. We're in Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 11. God's word says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it. That's a gift. God graced Paul, and as a result, us. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in 
Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. Please listen. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. So let's, let's think through this, because we're familiar with Paul's testimony. We're familiar with how this went down. When Paul was converted, was he on his way seeking God? No. No. He was fighting against Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said to him when he encountered him on the Damascus Road. But in God's gracious plan... God rescued Paul, and he made him, Paul, an heir. He made Paul an heir because it rests, the promise rests, not on human efforts, not on human activity, not on human purposes. The promise rests upon the character of God. We have to know this. We can be set free from some of the burdens we place upon ourselves when we recognize that God controls our lives and that God's blessing is dependent upon him and not us. Head back, please, to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4. Again in verse 16. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. Who are these heirs guaranteed to be his offspring? Who are they? It's not just the adherent of the law, not just the, the Jewish people, but it is to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. All right. Now Paul will continue the same argument but as he does, he's going to discuss this question. He doesn't ask the question, but he's going to answer this question. What does this faith of Abraham look like? What does this faith of Abraham look like? I'm going to read verses 17 to 22. I want you to listen to, through it, read through it, and then I'm going to make some references um, as I bullet point what this faith of Abraham looks like, because this is the avenue through which God's blessing comes. It rests upon grace, God's character, and the avenue through which it is, it is received is through faith, a faith like Abraham's faith. So what does that faith look like? Well, let's listen in verses 17 through 22. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom you believed, what is that God like? He's a God who gives life to the dead. He has resurrection power. And he calls into existence the things that do not exist. He's a creator. He's a creator of everything we see, and he's a creator of a people. Abraham knows all about this, because Abraham was from Ur of the Chaldeans, and God made out of him a people. One physical group of people, and God made out of him another group of people, a spiritual group of people, those who follow the faith 
or have a faith that is like the faith of Abraham. God is a God who raises the dead, and God is a God who creates new things, things that didn't exist before. He creates out of nothing the things that he wants to, to create. Verse 18, in hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Oh, it's a good thing that God can give life where there's death. He didn't consider his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness or deadness, good thing God can raise the dead, of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver. The word, the Greek word is diakrino. Diakrino. It really talks about, like it's, it's almost like a, a, a fighting. It's, it's almost like a, a contesting. No unbelief made him contest with God concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully, ooh, that's a good word, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. This kind of faith a faith that's unwavering, a faith that's in God and not in self, a faith that recognizes who God is and what God can do and that God promised. So let's, let's bullet point some thoughts here for our consideration. Confidence when we cannot see how the promise will be fulfilled. The faith of Abraham is a confidence that remains when we cannot see how the promise will be fulfilled. It is perseverance when obstacles arise. It is steadfastness while remembering the God of the promise. You could say steadfastness while remembering the promise of God, but I really want to emphasize remembering the God of the promise. It's steadfastness while remembering the God of the promise. And it's strengthening us as we, excuse me, it's a faith that's strengthening as we give glory to God. Now we have one more bullet point that we're going to come to, but I want to talk on, on this point just for a moment. Strengthening as we give glory to God. Look at verse 20, please. Uh, Romans 4 and verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew in his faith as he gave glory to God. As he gave glory to God. Now this, this concept, I don't think, I think Paul has already built a seed of thought in here for us to consider. Head back to Romans chapter 1 just for a moment. He's told the Roman church that he is excited about coming at some point to preach the gospel because the gospel's fruitful and the gospel uh, for, is God's power unto salvation, our forgive, God's forgiveness of our sin and God's declaration of our righteousness, uh, that through faith that righteousness is a declaration of righteousness and then a, a demonstration in life of righteousness. The reason that that's so important is because the wrath of God comes against all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now look down at verse 23. Romans chapter 1 and verse 23. 
He's talking about those that God's wrath are coming down upon because they've rejected him as the creator God. It's telling us in verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged, what does it say? The glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They exchanged the glory of God for something else. Now look at chapter 3. Chapter 3 of Romans. We'll start in verse 21, but our interest is particularly in verse 23. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest, declared, demonstrated, apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Rather than exchanging God's glory for something lesser and thus falling short of the glory of God, as we trust God and worship God, He is glorified and our faith is strengthened. With that in the context, look at, again at chapter 4 and verse 20. No unbelief made him waver, contend concerning the promise of God, but instead he grew strong or was strengthened in his faith under what circumstance? As he gave glory to God because God is worthy of that glory. This again is a, is a means I want to, to, to have us meditate on. God's blessing is dependent upon God's character. When a person understands who God is and as a result worships God and trusts God through that worship of God as the glorious one, God strengthens our faith. So he gives us what we need to access that very blessing. Very, very interesting. So we're trying to understand the nature of Abraham's faith. And what we've noticed so far is that confidence, uh, it looks like confidence when we can't see how the promise will be fulfilled. It's perseverance when obstacles arise. It's steadfastness while remembering the God of the promise. And it's strengthening as we give glory to God. Next, it is assurance, assurance of God's character. It's assurance of God's character. Look again at verse 21. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Now we read read all through Abraham's life story last week. So we know that there were some moments where Abraham's ingenuity came to the forefront. He used his own human wisdom when he went into a couple of nations, right? I'm going to preserve God's promise by not dying, so I'll, I'll let my wife be exposed here. And then another time when he thought, well, this will be, be good. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have a, a baby with Hagar instead of you know, Sarah, and God's promise will be fulfilled that way. Well, through the course of time, he understood God was teaching him something. I will get my job done. You, you trust me. I'll do the heavy lifting. When you do the heavy lifting, there are serious problems. Serious problems. When I do the heavy lifting, 
It's of nothing for me. I get the job done every time. God's blessing is dependent upon God's character. And God is fully capable of doing everything he has promised. This is what we're learning. We're learning about God. He is trustworthy. This is the character of the faith that results in justification. Look at verse 22. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. The reason Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness is because it had enduring confidence in God, even though we couldn't see what was going to happen. It had a, he was steadfast even when there were obstacles arising around every turn. It was a, a saving, justifying faith because he was able to remember the God of the promise. That it was steadfast strengthened as he was giving glory to God. And it was a a justifying faith because it was assured by God's character. And I say to you, my friend, where is your faith right now? In whom do you trust? You will one day breathe your last breath. If you die anytime soon, they're going to say it was the coronavirus that did it. And I'm not laughing. But just so you know, you know, and I know, all of our days have been recorded in God's book before there was ever one of them. I will not die because of the coronavirus, and you will not die because of the coronavirus. Now you may have an autopsy that might read that. But the reality is, God had all your days in a book. You died because God said, that is enough. Where is your faith? Is it in you? Is it in your surroundings? Is it in making sure that you have enough hand sanitizer? Very thankful. United Health dropped off these hand sanitizers. It's a good spray. Um, you know, I put it on every now and then. Uh, I put on more than that when I do it. It's not going to be, you're not alive because you put on your mask when you go out to the store. You should do it because that's what we're being told to do. It's not because you put on your gloves. You do, you do what you need to do. Where is your faith? When it comes to justification, we're talking about our eternal destiny. We're talking about what happens after we breathe our last breath. What happens to my eternal soul? my eternal spirit. What happens to that? Is your faith in God? Look at verses 23 through 25. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be, our faith, counted to us who believe, or righteousness will be accounted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, our Lord Jesus, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Is your faith in God? Do you believe him to be the one who fulfills his promises? Do you trust him to forgive all of your sins? Do you trust him to declare you eternally righteous? Do you trust him to make you an heir of eternal life and 
eternal good. It is not our works that provide this. It is not religious ceremony that provides this. It is not obedience to the law that makes us fit as a child of God. It is about the character of God. Do you trust him? Is he trustworthy? How about right now? In the middle of your pain. In the midst of your unemployment. In the midst of your loneliness. In the midst of your uncertainty about what the country will look like in six months from now. If he is trustworthy with our eternal salvation, he is trustworthy through the troubles that we're facing. Where does this faith come from? Where does this faith come from? Can we conjure it up? Can a cheerleader whip it up in you? Well, let's answer this from a biblical standpoint. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is why we continue to have Bible studies even while we're separated. This is why we continue to send emails even while we're separated. This is why we have Zoom Bible studies even while we're separated. Because faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And I want to to fulfill my responsibility as a, a minister of the gospel. I want to continue to preach God's word, whether it be to a camera, to my computer, through written page on Facebook, on YouTube, on Sermon Audio, face-to-face, through written letters. Faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the Word of God. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this faith is not your own doing. It, faith, is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 in verses 22 and 23 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now it says faithfulness here, and that's one way to read it. But the, the word is faith. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. You and I need God's help. We need God's help to believe Him. It comes through hearing, reading, look at God's word, read it, um, watch it, listen to it, talk about it in your home. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. It's a gift of God. It comes from it. And it comes through the Spirit's work in our lives. As we submit ourselves to the Spirit, God, God produces the fruit of faith. I would say to you today, call out to God. You can say, Lord, Lord, I believe, I believe, but you can be like that man. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. There's a song, it's an old one. I I was thinking about it as I was coming to the end of my my thoughts on this, so I wanted to share it with you. It's entitled, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Jesus. And here's what, God, what that song says. O soul, are you weary and troubled? 
No light in the darkness, you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. My friend, turn your eyes upon God. Turn your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. God is the character behind the blessing. God's blessing depends on God's character. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to your church. Don't look to a pastor. Look to God. And specifically, look to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection are enough to obtain your eternal salvation, to forever remove the debt of your sin, and to forever provide the full record of his righteousness that is all that's necessary for our entrance into heaven. Our blessing is dependent upon God's character, and it grows as we give God glory, the glory due to his name. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we need you. Help us as we sing in our homes uh, this final song. We pray that you would nurture within us, foster within us the faith that we need, We recognize that your blessing is grounded in your grace and accessed through faith. And we need that faith. We believe. Help us when we waver. Help our unbelief. May we be certain of your glorious gifting to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.